Welcome to the Music Ed Forward podcast, transforming students, teachers, and communities through music education. My name is Nissa Brown for Music Ed Forward, musicedforward.com. You can find Music Ed Forward on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Welcome to episode three of the Music Ed Forward podcast, the future of music ed, part three, national core art standards. This is the final series of three episodes on some of the greatest shifts I'm seeing in music ed right now, what they are, why they matter, and how to apply them in your classroom. Each episode will have a story, some theory, and some specific actionable takeaways. Each episode will stand on its own, but together they certainly amplify one another. So today's topic is the National Core Arts Standards, or NCAS. So in my work with the National Core Arts Standards, I've talked with lots of different people, and lots of people have varying feelings, ideas, perspectives, and experiences, and we're entitled to all of them. My purpose for today is to demonstrate how the National Core Arts Standards, or NCAS, is a powerful tool for relating back to episode one, going beyond scope and sequence, and relating to episode two, helping students achieve understanding and transfer using process as a tool. For more info on those topics, please look at the previous podcast episodes and give them a listen. So here's my relationship with the NCAS standards. I was on one of the subcommittees that created the third through fifth grade portion of the NCAS music standards. Uh, actually, I was working in Delhi at the American Embassy School during the bulk of my work with the standards, and um, I used to hop in a cab at like 4.30 in the morning, and I would get to school for 5 and 6 a.m. meetings with colleagues in the U.S. to discuss our work. For them, it was actually the night before, and for me, it was the following morning. That was the time that they were meeting, and if I wanted to be a part of the conversations, that's when I did it. So there was a core committee, actually, of about 10 people who made up the quote-unquote top tier of the NCAS writing committee. And one of those core committee members was the facilitator of our committee as well, the grade three through five committee. The way that it worked was that the core committee made some decisions that were non-negotiables. Sometimes, actually pretty often, our committee pushed back. Sometimes things changed and sometimes they didn't. The Core Music Committee was also working with uh, the core committees from dance, media arts, theater, visual arts uh, as well, and they were making some uh, broader level decisions that applied to all of the arts. And so it makes sense why some of the feedback that we gave uh, was able to be integrated and some of it wasn't. Um, It was pretty big picture stuff that the core committee was dealing with. Which leads to what I think is part of um, the strength of the standards is that all arts areas, uh, because of the work that the core committees did together, have a similar framework. Um, This similar framework, the way that things are set up, it really helps us with uh, advocacy within the arts. Uh, It can help us communicate clearly with decision makers, like principals and curriculum leaders, about the arts and their central role in education. Uh, It certainly helps us support one another within the arts because we can literally now speak the same language. We have um, things that go across arts areas that are embedded within the standards, like similar ways to talk about things. Um, And I think it also helps us collaborate with other content areas outside of the arts because we have real specific language to talk about what we do, um, how we do it, and what we value. And 
some of that language is also aligned with content areas outside of the arts. And that was on purpose too, was it helps us be a part of conversations that we might not otherwise um, be engaged in, or we might be engaged in a similar conversation about a similar topic. But because we're using different words, we don't know, and the people outside of our content area wouldn't know either. So the last thing I'll say before diving into uh, using NCIS as a tool for doing this work uh, and working with students is this. No matter how you feel about the standards, understand that any collaboratively written document has compromises. And it also had the benefit of very diverse opinions that no doubt strengthened the product as well. While there are some things that I would have done differently if I'd created the standards myself, I firmly believe that there are more things that are stronger because I, or any single person, did not create them in isolation. And I have learned to work with the standards, uh, the NCAS standards, in conjunction with the backwards design process in a way, in a way that I feel brings complete integrity to the process process of standards implementation in my classroom, um, as well as at the schools or the districts with which I have worked. If this isn't your experience with the NCAS standards, keep listening or reach out for help because there truly is a goldmine in the NCAS standards. Okay, so let's start with seeing how NCAS leads us beyond scope and sequence to the understanding and transfer that we talked about in the last two episodes. One of the greatest criticisms of the NCAS standards is that there isn't a given scope and sequence. In other words, it doesn't tell you exactly which knowledge and skills and at which level to teach in every specific grade level or ensemble or course. It may be obvious at this point, if you heard episode one, why the issue of specificity in scope and sequence isn't really a criterion for a good set of standards. In fact, it's the opposite. The NCAS standards are written, as all good sets of standards are, to empower each one of us in our schools and districts to craft our own scope and sequence that supports learning within those standards. This is a strong feature, actually, of the NCAS standards. If I see my students half the amount of time that you do, then it's likely you'll be able to cover more concepts in a more in-depth way than I will with my students. However, the number of concepts that we teach within a scope and sequence is not the marker of success, remember? It's what kids do with the information that they have that matters most. So to make that really concrete, if my students use a couple of rhythmic concepts and a couple of melodic concepts, plus one expressive quality, let's say dynamics, to create a composition with intention, for instance, choosing an event to compose for and intentionally choosing an, an expressive quality that would match the mood of that event, then I have taken a few elements of music, knowledge and skills pieces, and asked students to make meaning from them. I have helped students move from knowledge and skills to understanding and transfer with only a few elements of music. That's a win. We're going for understanding and transfer. If, on the other hand, you see your kids twice as much as I do, and you have kids make the same meaning in their composition, but they're using more and more complex rhythms, more and more complex melodic concepts, more and more expressive uh, complex elements of expressive elements, 
but they're still making a conscious choice in their compositions, then your students are working with understanding and transfer as well. The difference is that you're using more concepts within a scope and sequence than my kids would be using. But the goal is that no matter how many concepts, rhythmic, melodic, dynamic, tempo, no matter how many we're using, we're taking that to the level of meaning making. We're taking that to the level of understanding and to the level of transfer, not simply sticking with knowledge and skills. So the number of concepts or which concepts you get to at which grade level is not really the point. We may be working with different number of concepts, but we're still having similar meaning making, understanding, and transfer. So the NCAS standards are written to allow and empower meaning making, understanding, and transfer virtually regardless of where students are in the scope and sequence. Little caveat for that, as I mentioned in episode two, yes, students do have to have some knowledge and some skills before they can do meaningful understanding and transfer, but they don't have to have all the knowledge and all the skills to be able to understand and transfer. I mentioned in episode two, the more meta or big picture aspects of the National Core Art Standards. So we'll do a quick review on that, and then we'll go deeper into how NCAS scaffolds and supports the understanding and the transfer that we're looking for. So this next portion is really going to be looking very specifically at how NCAS is structured and how the structure of it actually helps us. It creates an intentional framework that helps us guide students to understanding and transfer. Okay, so as we talked about in episode two, if we say, what is it that musicians do? Then we're talking about the artistic processes. So the artistic processes, what musicians do, are they create, perform, respond, and connect. Those are true across all arts areas, media, visual arts, dance, theater, and music. If we ask the next level question, not what do musicians do, but how do they do it? So for instance, we might say, how do musicians create? Well, then we're talking about process components. So for instance, the process components for create, as I mentioned in episode two, the process for creation, as outlined by the National Core Art Standards, starts with imagine, then it goes on to plan and make, the third step is evaluate, refine, and the fourth is present. For those of you who may be leading multiple arts areas, the process components are similar in spirit, but different in vocabulary across arts areas. So that's something to look into if you're working with music teachers and beyond in the arts. So if we ask the question, how do they create? That's the process components. And that would be For example, imagine, plan, make, evaluate, refine, and present. That is the steps that musicians go through in order to create. We talked about that in episode two as well and talked about some concrete ways to go about using process to help us with understanding and with transfer. So the next step associated with each of those process components, like imagine in the create process, for instance, is an enduring understanding and an essential question. We'll dive more deeply into these in a future episode, but 
we're going to stay practical in this episode. I personally start like to start with the EQs or the essential questions because they're really practical and they're in kid language. So it helps me frame my thinking about what kids are doing when I start with an EQ because that helps me start thinking like my students would be thinking. So if we want students to understand and transfer information, again, listen to episode two if you want that broken down a bit more, then we need to access previous information that kids have. One of the most effective and efficient ways to learn is to attach new information to existing information. It's one of the ways that the brain organizes. So asking questions, like an essential question, helps students connect what they already know to what you're asking them to learn. That's what essential questions do, along with other important things. So if we want kids to explore different ways to imagine, the question in the core art standards, the essential question that goes along with imagine, is how do musicians generate creative ideas? And one of the criteria for a good essential question is that there are lots of different answers to that. Just like there are lots of different ways to imagine, there are lots of different ways to answer the question, how do musicians generate creative ideas? P.S. For those of us who are who want to build more inquiry or more student voice and choice into our classrooms, EQs or essential questions are another really important way to do that. So more on those topics later as well. And then Along with this EQ, essential question, how do musicians generate creative ideas, the flip side of the same coin is the EU, which is the enduring understanding, sometimes called a big idea. For this enduring understanding, it answers the question of the essential question. And the question is, how do musicians generate creative ideas? Well, in the National Core Art Standards, the example that goes along with that as an enduring understanding is... The creative ideas, concepts, and feelings that influence musicians' work emerge from a variety of sources. I'll say that one more time. The essential question is, how do musicians generate creative ideas? And the answer, through the enduring understanding, is the creative ideas, concepts, and feelings that influence musicians' work emerge from a variety of sources. Now, it may seem a bit pedantic to have um, a specific answer to that question, and there's so much value in unpacking those. And again, we'll get to that in a different a different episode. But for now, just understand that that EQ is such a powerful way to lead students towards making um, developing their own understanding and making transfer. So with these EUs and EQs, sometimes I take them as they are in the National Core Art Standards for the younger kids, like I'm thinking like second graders, third graders, and even younger. But sometimes I also unpack them a bit. Either way is okay. The EUs and the EQs are not intended to be something that you take hook, line, and sinker. They're intended to be powerful models. And I do think that they're really, really good models. And any of us who have been in this game for any period of time have seen really, really unhelpful models of EUs and EQs. And there are some gems um, in these EUs and EQs. So I, I really do highly recommend checking them out and perhaps unpacking them a little bit uh, for, uh, for your students and what you're studying. I will say, though, that using the EQs was one of the most important 
and inspiring for both me and my students shifts towards understanding and transfer. It was one of the ways that I was able to shift my instruction to more meaning making uh, and to also transferring the thinking to the kids in ways that I hadn't been taught as a younger teacher. And that was really, really powerful, not just for me, but most importantly for my kids. It helped me facilitate totally different conversations, and it helped me approach content and developing understanding in a different way. So EQs are a wonder, wonderful f- way to frame units and frame learning, but they're also wonderful in a day-to-day basis in the classroom as well. I should also mention that Jay McTie, one of the creators of the Understanding by Design approach, which I referenced uh, strongly in, in episode two, also worked with the core standards writing teams to help them create the sample EUs and EQs in the standards. And that was a very intentional step in the NCAS writing process, was to make sure that there were really high quality examples. Uh, And Jay McTie coached uh, folks in, in developing those. So that's an important connection for those of us who are working with the core art standards um, and uh, a backwards design approach. So let's take one more step in seeing how the National Core Art Standards are an invaluable tool for building learning toward understanding and transfer. Let's look at the performance standards. So for those of you who know the standards well, I am leaving out the anchor standards today for the purposes of the topic at hand. We'll come back to them at a different time. So I'm on purpose not talking about the anchor standards today. We're talking about the performance standards. So the performance standards are the standards in the white boxes. If you're familiar with the NCAS layout, you can find the link to the NCAS music standards in the show notes as well. Musicedforward.com forward slash podcast forward slash three, the number three. The white boxes are the closest to the classroom information in the National Core Art Standards. They outline what students should be doing at a given grade level or at a given level of achievement at the secondary level. There's so very, very much to unpack within those performance standards. But for today, I want to draw your attention to the specific contextual elements of those boxes. If what we want is meaning making, understanding, and transfer, again, check out episode two for more on that, then students need to connect the learn their learning to and I'm going back to the definitions of these now, students need to connect their learning to, quote, ideas, people, situations, and processes, source Jim McTie, and they need to be able to transfer their learning to, quote, various situations and contexts, the definition of transfer, again, from Jim McTie. If this is the criteria for understanding and transfer, then context and connection to something beyond knowledge and skills isn't optional, it's actually necessary. So let's think about and look for where we can find ideas, people, situations, processes in various situations and contexts. How do our standards help us do that? That's the question at hand. These are some of the most challenging things to figure out how to do, especially when some kids have music so infrequently. So I want to be really careful, no judgment about how often you are able to have students make meaning. 
You have to work within your current situation to help students understand and transfer as much as possible within your circumstances. So keep your situation in mind and do the best that you can. And don't compare with anyone else. Compare with yourself and make changes within your own practice, your own classroom, within your own possibilities, given the amount of time that you see your students. So here is the immediately actionable part of this podcast. Building on the performance standards, aka the white boxes and the standards, here are your action steps, should you choose to go about them. First of all, go grab a set of standards that most apply to you. So I find the most commonly used are the general music standards for K-8 through and the traditional and emerging ensemble standards, which are for um, beginning ensembles all the way through high school. The links for both of these are in the show notes at musicedforward.com forward slash podcast forward slash three, the number three. So go grab the set of standards that work best for you. Then choose the grade level or the level of performance, if you're looking at the ensemble standards, that you'd like to focus on. For instance, I might choose fifth grade general music, or I might choose proficient for a high school ensemble. Next, take a look at the white boxes, the performance standards, underneath the grade level or the performance level that you've chosen. So for instance, if I were going to choose fifth grade general music, I would look at where it says fifth, and I would notice that underneath that there is a list of performance standards. Each one of them is in a white box. Some of them fall under create. Those are the pages surrounded in blue. Some of them fall under perform. Those are the pages that are surrounded in purple. Some fall under respond. Those are surrounded by pink. And some fall under connect, surrounded in yellow. Keep in mind those connect standards are also embedded in the create, perform, respond portions above. That's true only for music. Look for the words that ask you to create context for students. Some of those words might be connection, purpose, The word context itself, oftentimes it's elaborated, personal, social, historical, or cultural. Or intention, for example, expressive intent. Find one of those context words, connection, purpose, context, intention, and choose one to explore with students. Choose one that can be connected to something that you're doing in class right now. Maybe you're creating, you're performing, you're responding, or you're connecting. Find a way to choose the ideas of connection, purpose, context, or intention to what you're doing in your classroom right now. So, concrete example. If you're working with performing, make sure students see the connection between their expressive choices and the source or the context of the music that they're performing. It could be connected to a genre or a style of music. It could be connected to composer intent if it were a composed piece. And then perhaps they could even connect their intentional expressive choices with the intended impact on the audience. Note, one of the challenges as an ensemble director is that we often make those choices for students. Instead of empowering students to explore the options, think about it, 
and make conscious choices themselves, those are often the choices that we conduct. They're the choices that we we make for them through our gesture or that we rehearse into them. And there's nothing wrong with doing that also, but how can you give students a bit more access, just a little bit more than you do now, to exploring the options and making some conscious choices themselves? So while there are a million more things to explore in regards to the NCIS standards, I've tried to limit the discussion here to the specific aspects of the standards that can help students use the scope and sequences that we've so masterfully created to make meaning through understanding and transfer. So to sum up the episode, the National Core Art Standards are a powerful way to plan instruction in order to move students towards understanding and transfer. Specifically, specific ways that they do that. Check out the process components outlined in more detail in episode two, the enduring understandings and the essential questions, the EUs and the EQs, and the performance standards or the white boxes for words that specify context. These frameworks provide powerful and empowering models for us as teachers to use to plan transformative instruction for students. Remember to check out the show notes for specific links to more information about the National Core Art Standards. For those of you who would like much more detailed information about the NCIS standards, there's a link to a video presentation called NCIS Standards in All Five Arts, Understanding the What's and Why's by Scott Schuler, one of the co-chairs of the National Music Standards Writing Team. The link to that can also be found in the show notes at musicedforward.com forward slash podcast forward slash three. If this podcast interests you today, head on over to musicedforward.com forward slash podcast forward slash three to grab your free copy of the ultimate curriculum design toolkit for music education, which has more specifics on the content discussed today. And if you want to make sure you catch the next episode, please remember to subscribe to the Music Ed Forward podcast. Until then, let's keep the conversation going. Thanks for joining me for the Music Ed Forward podcast, transforming students, teachers, and communities through music education.